This is Writing Excuses, episode 21, Fight Scenes. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I'm Rob. Okay, we're going to talk about fight scenes. We can of worms this when we're discussing violence. Um, I often get questions from people. How do you write a good fight scene? Um, since all of us like to kill people so much, let's talk about how to do it in a fun way. Howard, fight scenes. What's the first rule of fight scenes? You don't, don't talk, talk about, about fight scenes. No, I mean, yeah. Okay, what's the second rule of fight scenes? Every same thing. Isn't it? <laughs> um, when I, anytime I'm doing, anytime I'm doing a fight scene, uh, I have to, I have to stay kind of on message for Schlock Mercenary, which is mm-hmm. that this has to end with a punchline, and so all of my fight scenes are broken into. Uh, segments that have punchlines in them, which is really okay. quite awkward. Yeah, it's really strange when you do them because you have to have a laugh. I, I have to have a laugh, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it's difficult to do. But uh, my and what that means ultimately is the only fight scenes I'm really writing are the ones that have to be there in order to tell the story. But you're writing military space opera. I mean, you're having... Lots of wars and battles. But military military life has been described as six weeks of boredom punctuated by 60 seconds of panic. Mm-hmm. I can get away with writing a whole book and only having one or two fight scenes in it for that reason. Okay. All right. That there's 60 minutes of boredom? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. What is it like to read? Characters being bored, but hopefully not the readers. Exactly. Characters <laughs> being bored. Characters with firearms being bored. <laughs> this is hilarity of Yeah. All right. Uh, Dan, any, what would you say? First rule of thumb on fight scenes. Do you got, got any? First rule of thumb on them? Yeah. How do you write a good fight scene? Um, I don't have noises good with your hands. The, I am. Sorry. All right, I'm going to give one. Good. I've got one. Um, I often say this when people ask me. The first thing I come up with is I say, you are not writing a screenplay. Um, which, if you are writing a screenplay, then this rule doesn't apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing a comic. You're writing a comic, which is kind of, of it's very visual. visual. So. But for the novel writers, we can't do what someone doing a movie can do. In other words, we cannot do what Jackie Chan can do. Jackie Chan no can, can have Chan a 30-minute fight scene, which is just a blow-by-blow, blow, and it's transfixing. We'll watch it. We'll enjoy it. It's exciting. If you describe that exact same thing in a book, no matter how well you describe it, it's going to be boring. And so the, my advice on fight scenes, first piece of advice is play to the strengths of your medium. Play to the strengths of your genre. If you are writing novels, don't try to write them like a movie. I was, I was going to add the same thing. that um, I think that the key when I've been writing um, action scenes is to make sure that there's lots of emotion. Yeah. And whether that is uh, the attacker is really angry or whether the um, people being attacked are, are scared for their life. Right. Just as long as there is, is that tension and conflict so it isn't like you said yeah. a blow a by novel, blow. Just one to, of the main things we can do that they can't do in a movie is we can be more explicit with the emotion. We can show the, emotional, um, the emotions and the thoughts of the characters much more distinctly. The result of this is uh, the the discontinuity between the big battle scenes in Return of the King, the book, mm-hmm. and the big battle scenes right. in Return of the King, the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in order to do those those battle scenes emotionally, the way Tolkien described them, mm-hmm. uh, Return of the King would have been rated X. Yeah, the violence just would have been over the top because you know for us to experience that measure of horror, uh, that that would have been required. 
Um, so they had to step it down. They had to retranslate Tolkien's work for the screen. Yeah, yeah. And as you as a writer, a lot of us nowadays, we, we've seen a lot of movies. Um, we've essentially been raised on cinema. And so authors come and sit down and want to write a great fight scene. They imagine Jackie Chan or whatever your favorite action hero is. Um, they imagine that and they start writing a blow by blow. Um, and it's bad. Um, mm -hmm. It's boring. So what else? Emotion. What else can we do in fiction that will, that will make our fight scenes more explosive for our readers? I identify the key you know, pinnacle or uh, nadir emotional moment in the fight scene. And I use that as the punchline. Okay. That's uh, just recently in the strip, there was, uh, I used over thume and double yes, thume double as, as punchlines. Mm -hmm. um, I used, you know, there's, there's schlock with both plas guns firing, saying, you know, ah, oh, it's a shame, you know, you're having such a terrible day because... I'm having the best day of my life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was a pinnacle. And previous in the strip, you know, three weeks earlier, I'd been, you know, describing the worst moments. And those were the punchlines. All that stuff in the middle, uh, the cool things, you know, scaling walls and jumping here and punching there, I left out because eh, there's no punchline. Right. Well, and it, would, it might be boring. It would be boring. Some graphic novels can do that in a very interesting, fascinating way. Well, this is why comic books yeah. have so much dialogue during the fights mm. it's because well all right you drew a cool punching scene yeah but how many of those can you do yeah um you can actually get away with that sometimes and i'll, I'll step away and say um with some really in, in in writing you would call it poetic language and a graphic novel you would say it's just a visually compelling scene you can get away with these sometimes you can do a couple paragraphs or maybe even a page of this is just beautiful writing um, lots of concrete detail, you know, people are fighting and the, the mud is flying into the air and the sunlight is, you know, great casting shadows and, you know, smoke is rising from where the But that's not a blow by blow. And no, it's you're, not. You're casting yeah. an emotional picture. Yeah, mm -hmm. at that point you're, point, you're doing the descriptions. You're doing beautiful descriptions. You're not doing a blow by blow. Well, and I think um, another thing that you guys have mentioned on here before just about writing in general is that whenever you are writing something, it needs to have more than one purpose. Yeah. And so I think if you are just writing something for the blow-by-blow, blow, it doesn't help. But if, if you have a fight scene and you know that there is maybe, a, maybe someone is trying to accomplish something and someone's trying to stop them, and so, so you can have the fight scene while the other stuff is going on, or you can yeah. have a fight scene right. while the conversation that's, that's is going on. That's a great thing to do, yeah, mm -hmm. um, exactly. Put it, having them fight during a conversation, if you can make it rational, um, can be a wonderful way to make it exciting. Um, um, to step back a moment, though, when I say you don't want to do a blow-by-blow, blow, um, I'm not saying that you can get away with having bad blocking. Um, yeah. We oh, yeah. still need to be able to visualize where everybody is and what they're doing and what's going on. And that's, I think, one of the biggest mistakes. I mean, people are very quick to do blow-by-blows, but then we also forget that we're in a non-visual medium. You yeah. know, most, well, not comics, but novels. We don't know exactly what the room looks well, like. I've... We don't know where the chairs are. And yeah. so when a character picks one up and hits the other character with it, that might come out of nowhere for yeah. us. You there need to set times, us very well. There have been times when I have scripted a non-blow-by-blow -blow sort of thing and, you know, and, and hit the punchline and realized it's confusing. I need yeah. an establishing shot. Right. I need mm -hmm. to put some blows in there so we can get yeah. to that point and the reader can follow along. Good blocking is essential for a good fight yeah. scene. 
Um, people need to be able to picture it and visualize it in their head. But you don't then just want to spend pages and pages of showing them fighting. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. Um, what else can fight scenes do in a book? Um, I would say that one thing that makes fight scenes work really well is making them goal-based. Um, this is kind of something that Rob was talking about earlier, but um, because we can show thoughts and emotions, we can show what the character is trying to accomplish, and we can show progression as they step toward it or away from it. They can say, oh, I see that, um, that cliff over there. I'm going to try and fence my, uh, my opponent over there so they stumble and fall off. Um, you can do this sort of goal-based fighting. It worked very well in the end of the serial killer book. Um, when you got... Um, hey, don't I'm tell me about the end. Killer. I just well, got the arc. <laughs> when you get the end of the serial killer book, there's some nice action sequences, and we understood the characters' motivations and goals. And because of that, the sense of progression as he either achieved or failed those various goals made the fight sequences very, very powerful. Well, and especially... In my book, in a lot of horror where you're not dealing with action wow. characters, any fight scene that does not have trained combatants in it is not going to be like a movie action scene. It's, you, you need to think about these other things. You have mm -hmm. to think about the goals and the emotions because you know, if I were to go outside right now and pick a fight with somebody, that's all I would really have. Is mm -hmm. I, I don't have training to fall back on. I, I am not a good fighter, but I do know what I'm trying to do. And I, why? I read a book by Stephen Barnes, and I can't remember the title, but Stephen Barnes uh, is you know, a master of several martial arts. And yes, there was a lot of blocking. There was a lot of blow-by-blow blow in there. But one of the things that he conveyed very, very effectively was that our protagonist does not know what he is doing. And it is terrifying every time he comes up against somebody because he knows they know more about this than he does. And he's going to get his head handed to him in a basket. Yeah. Um, and it was very, very well thought out and blocked mm -hmm. out. And the goal through all of this was, I want to live. I want to live. Right. I want to live. And he probably mm -hmm. showed a lot of the blows. Um, and did. a good thriller um, will show a lot of blows, a lot of the types of thrillers. If you read a Dirk Pitt novel, you will have some good fight sequences, which will have some blow-by-blows. Well, and the danger of the, the blow-by-blows when written by an expert is that they will describe the martial arts technique Mm. The you know they will yeah. describe the particular punch style or block style, and if you're familiar with martial arts, you've got a clear picture. Right. If you're not, you you assume the author's knowing know what he's knows right. what he's talking about. And if you know more about martial arts than the author, mm. or you know a different martial art, you look at the wording and you say that doesn't work that way. This is ridiculous, and you shut the book. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think of abstracting out fight scenes? Um, some authors, uh, Robert Jordan is one of them. Um, like to make things a little more abstract and say, okay, they pull back and do a wide shot and say, this happened. Um, the fight scenes will usually be very quick and kind of um, key and the mode tide of battle yeah. turned. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Robert Jordan does it a little bit more focused. He'll, he'll say something. He'll he'll give he gives all of his fighting um, all of his sword forms. He names them like boar rushing down a hill or something like this. He fell into boar rushing down a hill. And that gives you a kind of abstract image of he's charging through and cutting people down. Um, and then, you know, Tolkien would do this like too. With a name like that, yeah. you can get away yeah. with the <laughs> yeah. abstraction. Um, I actually greatly prefer abstracted fight scenes. Uh, when I get into a book that is really giving me a lot of detail on how the combat is going, I just zone out because it okay. bores me. Yeah. Boar rushing, um, rushing down a hill is one thing. Uh, you know, Shotokan Kata 5. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now let me give the counterexample. My favorite fight scene in any book ever is the uh, poison knife fight in Dune. Okay. 
And yeah. that is a very direct blow by blow fight. But it, we get every single thought that they have. We know all of the strategy behind not even the moves, but the moves behind the moves and the clothes he is wearing. It is hyper detailed, but I love that. For and it's a reason. metaphor for the political machinations. Exactly. That it, were it, similarly, yeah. like Rob was saying, it serves about ten different purposes. So I just finished reading, and um, this is the opposite of what Dan is saying. Oh, I lost my microphone. Um, <laughs> I knocked it off with a <laughs> furious punch to the face. <laughs> um, I just finished reading uh, The Hunger Games by okay. Suzanne Collins. Um, no spoilers because it's on my desk to read. So. Okay, well, basically, yeah. I mean, the premise of the book isn't a spoiler. It, yeah. It's basically that, that uh, all of these teenagers are brought in for kind of a battle royale. Uh, last one standing gets to live. Everyone else gets to be murdered by the rest of them. And... Uh, and it's from the point of view of a 17-year-old girl. And so you would think, going into this, this is going to be a horribly violent book. I mean, only one of them is going to survive. But, and, and yes, there is a lot of violence and, and there's a lot of death. Um, but it doesn't ever dwell on it. It is right. a lot of her in the forest trying to survive. Um, and then something will happen and it'll be really quick. And we know exactly what happened. And sometimes there might be a page. Sometimes there might be three sentences. Um, so they, uh, Suzanne Collins very much abstracts or, or just ignores the, the actual violence of it. Uh, um, and I think that that's partially because it's a YA and she's trying yeah. to get away from the gore. Yeah, that's, you, you have to do some of that in YA. I'm, I'm careful not to do that kind of thing because I believe that anytime we depict violence, we need to, we need to see the cost. And we had that podcast yeah. about violence mm -hmm. and the... Yeah. The moral yeah, we're not talking about violence. We're talking about fight scenes. Specific fight Spice. scenes. Now, right. um, what other really good use of the abstract fight scene is when you want to specifically convey confusion. Yeah. And this has been used really effectively in a lot of movies. Go mm -hmm. watch, like, Platoon or Apocalypse Now. You cannot tell who's shooting at who at any point. And that makes it a lot scarier. <laughs> or Transformers. <laughs> well, that was which is, I think, an accidental <laughs> use of confusion. But... Uh, there's and I can't think of any books off the top of my head. I remember in our writing group we came across a fight scene like that a while ago that you weren't sure what was going on, but neither was the character, and yeah. it made it more effective because of that. Um, since we're throwing out effective ones, I'm going to go for some uh, a book that has some of my favorite fight scenes, which are very effective and very detailed, and that's Ender's Game. Um, and in that case, they're not abstracted out. Um, and if you look at Ender's Game, what's going on is, um, and this is how I like to write my fight scenes. Um, you're showing the characters being clever by manipulation of their surroundings and their tools. And so it's less, a fight becomes a problem-solving exercise right. instead of um, a, mm -hmm. a great action sequence. And, and so you have to couch it in yeah. terms of this is what the character knows, this is yeah. what the things that he knows do. Right. Now let's synthesize something from that and right. do something different. Right. And that's, I think that works very well for fight scenes as looking that, at them problem-solving-wise. What do we have? How can we use them? Mm -hmm. um, but any, any final words on fight scenes um, before a brawl breaks out here between the <laughs> Wells brothers? Um, my fight scenes, again, because I'm not really ever talking about trained fighters, are entirely focused on the characters trying not to fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the scene you described at the end of the book, yeah. that's basically a get away from the bad guy scene that reads like a fight scene because yeah. there's violence in it. Right. So. Um, all right. Writing prompt. Uh, write a fight between two people who have never been in a fight before. And have to use their environment cleverly. Yes. This has been Writing Excuses. Thanks for listening. 
If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 